You're listening to Tea Time with Talent Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing it within the vibrant talent acquisition community. Here is what's in store for you today. I think people and companies especially underestimate the power of a psychological contract. And that's why um, I, yeah, take I took a lot of time to investigate further. Um, I had it in my studies and basically what it is in one word, expectation management throughout the recruitment process. So Mm. if you have a certain expectation, but it's not written down, it's just really in your subconscious and you have those kind of like expectation levels. And if we don't manage that well, then, and it it happens a lot, people will probably, um, yeah, either get fired in the first six months or more most likely will even um, yeah, hand in the notice in the first mm. fix, uh, first six months. Psychological contracts, it's not something that you hear often when we speak about recruitment. It was certainly something that you could just tell immediately that Melina was passionate about. I simply loved how not only did she break down the importance of these contracts, but she explains exactly how you can manage and craft your own from the experiences that she's gained throughout her journey, with the pun intended, that journey. This podcast genuinely was a real joy to record. Um, It's dramatically helped us lead workshops with our clients and it's got recruitment teams thinking bigger around the prospect of psychological contracts. So we genuinely hope you get as much out of this as we have and let's explore this together. Welcome to Tea Time with Talent Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing stories within the vibrant talent acquisition community. There's no surefire way to accomplish anything in life, but with each conversation, we aim to delve into diverse topics and present fresh perspectives to empower you, our fellow colleague, on your own journey to success. I'm your host, Eden, and for the next hour or so, I'm going to be joined by an experienced talent acquisition expert who prides herself on truly getting to know what makes people ache in their career, not what they want to do in their career, but what's going to make them love coming to work and doing what they do best. Looking closer at her own career, she's helped drive processes, structure and culture into several highly successful teams, including the fully remote team that she works with today, leading the global talent management efforts. Now, looking to part her own knowledge to help the wider talent community is an immense pleasure of mine to share the podcast with her so when you're ready grab your favorite tea or coffee if you prefer and join me in welcoming today's guest melina from journey thanks so much for joining thank you so much eden for having me again (laughs) again yeah good point good point so i I always like to just dive straight in and, and do an icebreaker question so we've changed it up for the second season um so for this one what is one thing that you feel everyone in our field for so talent acquisition is doing, but you believe it could be improved further? Mm, that is a really good question. I think what comes first to my mind, and I'm not taking even myself out of this equation, is ghosting candidates. I mm. think that's a huge part in our business. Um, and I'm, as I said, I'm not taking myself out of the problem because I know that I have done it, not on purpose, obviously, but I think it's a problem in our business because we get so overwhelmed with applications mm. and it takes so much time to evaluate candidates 
um, that sometimes um, also systems mess up. Like I always had problems um, with ATS uh, systems, which are really uh, sometimes mess things up. And yeah, I think that's something we really need to work on to find better processes and also finding a better way of um, letting people know that, hey, we are on mm -hmm. it and maybe it takes more time because we get really overwhelmed by the amount of applications. But um, we really want to work with you and we really want to um, consider your application, but it just takes a little bit more time than we thought. So nurturing the candidates throughout the application process is something I really think that companies and also recruiting agencies um, can work on. I agree. I mean, there's not really much more I can add to that. I 100% agree. Right. It's, uh, it's difficult because I think you hit the nail on the head on every point. You know, you get overwhelmed and there's just that lack of communication, not because you don't want to share, but by the time your day is finished, you're, you're, you know, you're drained, mentally drained, and you need to have that break. And it kind of, there needs to be that stop. And then it's unfortunate people slip through, um, which kind of yeah. does, I guess it links yeah. quite nicely into what we're going to talk about today anyways, because it all kind of embodies that, that candidate experience element. So I like what you've done there. Um, so the topic that, <laughs> that we want to discuss mostly is around psychological contracts between company and candidate when we're talking about recruitment processes. So this wasn't necessarily a new topic to me, but I was having a discussion with, with my brother who's just started in recruitment. Um, hmm. So he hadn't known what it was and he's about six months into the job. So it's completely understandable. Um, so I'm guessing if he doesn't know it at that level, there might be some other people who probably aren't familiar with the phrase psychological contract. So in your own words, what is kind of the brief Melina overview to what psychological contracts and recruitment actually is. Yes, thank you so much for yeah inviting me for this podcast um, to talk about this topic because I think people and companies especially underestimate the power of a psychological contract and that's why um, I yeah take I took a lot of time to investigate further. Um, I had it in my studies and basically what it is in one word expectation management throughout the recruitment process. So what is really important is that um, we go through a process of the application comes um, into my mail um, and then I will evaluate the candidate, right? We start to interviewing and we do all those, all those steps. And throughout the process, um, no matter if you want it or not, subconsciously, we will always have expectations as a candidate, mm -hmm. but also, of course, as a company. So it is very um, much about the expectations and assumptions throughout the recruitment process of the employer, but most likely and especially for the employee. Um, so the concept has mainly studied for um, the perspective of the employee because it's um, the employer has more um, verifications through um, diploma and the CV and all those things. Um, but the candidate is building an expectation of the company just based on what the recruiter and the hiring team is saying. So um, all those expectations which are built um, are in the mind of um, the candidate. So basically what we do when we hire someone, we have a like normal physically, physical contract, right? And mm -hmm. all the like terms and conditions are written down so that if you are, for example, negotiate your salary and you won't ex like get the exact amount of salary, then you will say, but hey, I, I have it on my contract. Mm -hmm. um, the tricky thing is if we have a psychological contract, 
someone throughout the recruitment process maybe says, we are having such a beautiful culture, everyone is like treat well, and like all those kind of things. Um, and then you're in the company and then someone is like maybe not treating you well. So mm. you have a certain expectation, but it's not written down. It's just really in your subconscious and you have those kind of like expectation levels. And if we don't manage that well, then, and it, it happens a lot, people will probably, um, yeah, either get fired in the first six months or more, most likely will even um, yeah, hand in the notice in the first, mm. fix, uh, first six months. So how does understanding that and managing that psychological contract actually contribute to creating a successful talent acquisition process? Yes, I think it, it, in my opinion, it is one of the most crucial uh, things in recruitment because this will really determine if this candidate, this like employee will be successful or not because you mm -hmm. don't just evaluate people by their skills. You also want to see, um, are they up for the challenges we have? So um, if you would ask me, and I think maybe it will come up later, and now I'm like uh, being early, but um, why is it important? Like, why is it important to get I'll remove um, the next the question? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, why is it important to, to integrate that as a company? Um, because I think if you find someone who has the right skills for a job, but is not up for the challenge because you don't like you just sugarcoat everything. It's mm -hmm. basically, honestly, it's basically like dating. If you just tell all the good parts about yourself in the first dates, then someone will be disappointed at some point in with, like within the relationship. So if you're being honest and say like in the beginning, these are the challenging uh, things I'm challenged by right now. And these are um, really things we're looking for. This is something um, which is not working in our company right now. And someone can decide for themselves, is that something I really want to take on? Or is this something I don't? Because someone who will then say, okay, the company has this and that, and this is, might be, like sound a little bit more challenging, but actually I really like that because, for example, some people don't like a fast-paced environment. Mm -hmm. um, so like they need to be very flexible and adaptable of all the things which are like, like people will just throw things at you. And some people will thrive in that environment and some people will just drown in it because they have maybe not good boundaries with work or they people please, whatever. There are many yeah. like ways of seeing things. So if you're really up for the challenge and say, oh, I thrive in that environment, then I know for myself this is going to be my job and yeah. I won't be surprised when I join the company then. And then I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I was expecting. And this is my decision that I actually wanted this. So it gives also for the candidate way more commitment for the challenge than a candidate who got sugarcoated by the problems of all the things which are going on in the company. And honestly, also from just one thing I would like to add is from all the interviews I had in the past when I was like, hey, I want to be frank with you. This is what's going on right now. This is some difficulties we have in our like in our company because, for example, our company is growing very fast. And with change comes always some like 
adjustments. Yeah. So you have to be adaptable to all those kind of adjust, like adjustments. So um, this is something I'm always looking for in a like soft skill for the for the people I'm looking for. Are you able to adapt fast? Are you flexible in that? Are you okay that yesterday ChatGPT was not on the market and now it's on the market and it changes an entire like company? Are you okay with that? Because your work from yesterday might be not even be relevant today. So these are so many like things which are so important to check in the first steps of the recruitment process rather than just put someone, oh yeah, everything is perfect. And then they join the company and they're like, this is not what I expected. The amount of time is an external because I think they're a little bit more honest to us sometimes. Um, the phrase, I'm, I've been missold. However, not it's yeah. true all the time. You know, you have to read between the lines. But I was told one thing, and I get on site, it's completely different. Things can change for sure, and especially if you've got notice periods of three months. Taking that that AI chat GPT element, three months ago we was all just playing around with the release of form. Now we're creating our own custom GPTs. You know, it happens, and that's inside someone's notice period. So it will obviously yeah. there are things that can happen, but yeah, that that element of expectation management. I think we we try our best to kind of manage that as well. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of, and this isn't to, to say they're doing it wrong necessarily, but a lot of TA mm. teams are kind of hit with quite hard hiring numbers sometimes. And it's yeah. just putting people in process in some cases. Not all, don't get me wrong. Um, but if you're really, really, really honest with yourself, and same thing, I've done it as well. You know, you just send someone because you need to get someone out really in some instances um is it right no you know you probably should just not waste mm -hmm. that person's time but i think everyone has probably defaulted to that at some point um how yeah. how can you you know in that first course you said it's really about that that very first kind of interaction you're having with them set that scene you gave a couple examples you mm. know, these are challenges these are the the kind of issues we're facing how can you do that in an authentic way where it doesn't sound like you're it doesn't sound like you're bad mouth in your own company, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it's a it's a, th a like thin line. I understand. It's like it's very thin ice you're walking on because you mm. don't want to be like, oh, my company has some issues, and you like, are you up for that? You know. Um. So I really, I really understand that question, and it makes a lot of sense to talk about that. Um. It's always about having. I think the emotional intelligence to see where is the person coming from um, and giving them the the honesty of like, okay, this is not a problem in our company because honestly, every company on this planet, like every relationship, they have some topics to work on. It's not that every company is like, oh yeah, everything is just rainbow and everything is perfect and there are no problems at all. Um, every company has just um, some, some topics to work on where they can improve um, because that's how we grow as a company. If everything is perfect, we wouldn't move on also in humanity. If everything is perfect, then how can we like move on and like um, um, have the evolution and yeah. the, the process? So the company needs it as well. And um, that's why I really like to phrase it in the sense of like, hey, this is what's working very well. And this is also, I also like to bring in a personal touch of um, telling the candidates why I like to work for Journey or for the company um, to tell them what I, why do, did I decide to, to join the company and what do I see now um, working for a year now there, um, what I really like about it. 
but also what do I see as challenges? And every work environment, um, and I'm not even talking about specific companies, but work environment and industries have their challenges. So a startup is maybe a little bit more chaotic. Can you deal with it? And it's not a problem. I'm not bad, like talking bad about my company. I'm just saying how. Yeah, I'm just setting yeah. the scene of like we're we're in a, like a startup, and sometimes maybe um things are not like the processes are just in, like in the like we are just building them. So are you okay with um a little bit of chaos and then also bring some some organization in it? Because I love that personally. I would be feel very I think stuck in a corporate environment. Um, never say never, but right now I I think I would feel stuck in like to set. In, in that sense, but um, some people would rather like that. So yeah. it's just really about finding your own preferences and ask the candidate about their preferences and just giving them a very honest um, picture of it. And I'm not talking in the sense of like, you have to say the negative things, just be use the honest ways. And that's why I don't say we have that problem. I'm just talking, these are challenging things. Yeah. But for some people, these are not even challenging. So it also depends on what person you're talking to. And then that kind of segues from effective communication, right? Your role as a, as a TA, recruiter, hiring manager, you need to be comfortable yes. communicating challenging aspects of the company in a neutral or you know, reassuring way. I, there's a little phrase yeah. that I, I adopt quite a lot. Um, and it's basically, I'll pitch the company or I'll pitch the opportunity to the individual and I say, look, that's the good stuff that's to sell my job is to sell right i'm the recruiter but take that yeah. out of the equation now now i'm not a recruiter i'm your friend this is the honest mm. side that i'm seeing and the, the fortunate exactly. i've worked with a lot of companies for, for multiple years so i can see the challenges they faced and we own things head on they've struggled with diversity and inclusion in the past we own it up front because they're going to find out eventually and then we talk to them how they've overcome mm. it and what they're doing and there's the threat so the phrase is this isn't to scare you this is the honesty and then this is your chance Honestly, to get off the get off the roller coaster. If you don't want to do it, totally fine with it. I accept that. I wish you good luck, but at least I've told you up front you have everything now. Yes. Honestly, and I think also from a psychological perspective, you want to be in charge as a candidate for your own decisions 100%. in terms of where you're gonna spend your next like time with. Because we're working at least like most of the people 40 hours a week, maybe even more, some less. It doesn't matter. We spend so much time at work. Mm. So you want to make a very like thought through decision. How can you make a thought through decision if someone is not telling you the whole picture? It's like getting in a relationship with a stranger. You want to get to know the person or the company in that case to really understand what I'm like, what is what is what am I expecting here? What What is happening here? And to make a really clear picture is um, giving the responsibility from the recruiter and the hiring team to the person, which then also makes them feel, I think, valued. Because if I ask you for your um, decision and like giving you the room for your for your responsibility, um, I think that will make you feel more valued in the end than rather than just. Um, telling you all the good stuff yeah. and then just selling you on it. Um, so I think and I, I'm noticing that throughout the process as well. You have no idea how many people thank me um, for the process and how honest I was with everything because then they feel like they have a big picture and then they can decide for themselves if they're up for it and if not. Yeah. I, I, I 
I'm thinking of a case where someone said this is not my not my thing or where someone was like but I can't even think about it I think every candidate was really grateful for me being so honest about it and it's surprising because you're saying hey this is what we're like this is the challenge we're facing this is what's going on and you would you would even think oh like now I'm talking negatively but actually they really really appreciate it which is wonderful and shows a lot about human psyche that we do appreciate the honesty even though it's um sometimes a little bit more tough they would just want to know don't they you know they just want to make sure that they there's no there's no stone unturned or as much as they can control they are controlling it um yeah i mean you've you mentioned expectations management again fully agree with but what other key areas do you think kind of create that psychological contract outside of expectation mm. management So the basics are what you have to talk about, if I understood the question correctly, is you need to talk about management style. Mm -hmm. Like one part is how is the person let? And also, again, so important, you can tell someone, oh, yeah, like he's giving you lots of freedom when you actually know as a recruiter that your colleague is maybe more someone who likes micromanaging. Which is, I'm not saying this is wrong or right. I'm just saying it's important to know the, your colleagues and to know the people they will work with so they understand because also there are people who like micromanaging. Yeah. So just being honest about it, like how's the leadership style? How's the team? How's the culture? Um, and I'm really talking about culture. This includes work times. How flexible is the company really? Um, so, for example, in my recruitment process, I'm always talking also like when we talk about quote unquote negative things, we are a startup. The work which we are having is never going to end. It's like we have worked for years, I think. So it is very important that I'm able to say, hey, how good are you in setting boundaries mm -hmm. with work? Because um, your to do list will never stop. So if you can, like if you have you have work for. 100 hours a week yeah you still have a, like you, you still have like a long 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 very long long list of to do so are you able to be okay with that and not feel stressed because i understand um the concept of of that so i am not stressed when my work gets longer and longer and longer because i know even if i would work 100 hours um it won't get done so it is, it is okay for me to set the boundary with my work are you okay with that as well so um being flexible and we're talking about um, the, the flexibility at work and talking about the management style, talking about psychological security as well. How open um, am I or am I allowed to talk about my opinions or is it also maybe that in meetings people are not really getting like taking time for it, etc. Like all those kind of things and like criteria for what people look for and when they are looking for a job. Um, you should like take into your recruitment process and talk about it with the candidate. I think to give them such a big picture that they can decide, am I up for this challenge or is this maybe also something which is too much for me or doesn't work for me? Um, because honestly, I really think that I'd rather have a candidate saying, you know what, this is something I like, I don't think I would like that. And then I'm okay with that because then I can look for someone who says, oh my God, I thrive in exactly that. Because then someone is way more committed yeah. than someone I will just talk into that. We're gonna we're gonna look at I'm gonna do the pun. We're gonna look at Journey's journey. 
on psych. <laughs> I know I was yeah. waiting for it on on your psychological no, contract in a moment. Um, because I'm curious because you mentioned all these different elements, and in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking how a team could do it. But instead of just thinking mm-hmm. from my perspective, I'd rather know how you and your team have actually created that and gone through that motion of deciding how do we bring that element into our process. So we'll get into that in a moment. But is there any key indicators, mm-hmm. um, either from your own experiences or conversations you've had or what you've learned, that determine the health element of the psychological contract? Because once it's created, you're like, yeah, this is great. You know, we are, we're making everyone happy, everything's good. But then six months down the line, mm-hmm. you've expanded, your team's new, and then you're back to square one. So how can you keep yes. track of that? And again, back to the, the original question, any indicators, any metrics that people should be aware of? Yes. Um, honestly, I love this topic because for everyone who's a little bit skeptical about those um, more psychological things, um, you can measure it. There are lots of KPIs where you can work on. Um, so I will come back to that in a minute when we talk about how you can implement it in the team. But um, just one thing I implemented at Journey is to um, measure it by um, talking to the candidates um, in the first month, in the third month, and then in the end of the probation time mm-hmm. to talk about how did I manage the expectations? How do you feel? Is this exactly what you expected? And also, on the other hand, with Sorry the hiring interject. manager... So you asked how... about your management expectations. So we're talking about how you managed it from that recruitment process, not from the company's perspective. Yes. Well, no, obviously, I'm talking for the company. Okay. How did I manage the expectations um, for also my entire hiring? I'm talking for my entire okay. hiring team. Like, how did we manage the expectations? And what did you actually experience right now in the company? And then in the first month, month sometimes you will get a different answer from six months. Um, but it's still important to get through the process. And then you can measure it, which is insanely good because then you um, you really see and feel if you manage well because that is so important um, for the success of the employee and how committed they are for the company. I guess the, the learns you can gain from people to say yes or what is the no's you want really or the not exactly right because that's where you get your learns to go back into the process and how do we improve. So we want, mm. I imagine at the beginning you might get more no's in, than yeses if you're just starting this journey, hopefully not too many more, but mm. your plan is to keep, mm. keep track and keep going back, right? Yeah, of course, okay. of course. It's very important. So let's bring this to journey. Let's bring this to a real example. So talk me mm-hmm. through your process. How do we determine, actually, let's start, when do you determine that we want to focus on creating that psychological contract? Or we want to we bring that aspect to light in our recruitment process? Yes. Honestly, it starts already on the website. How do you picture your company? If you're just... Picture your company on the website as happy, clappy, everything is perfect and amazing pictures from off like offsite events and you have a long list of benefits and et cetera. But then you actually start at the company and the culture is horrible and it's very toxic and like in toxic environment and stuff. Then, then, then don't please even put it on the website. Either work on the like the culture itself in your company or don't picture it like that. And you can be very neutral about it. That's okay too, because you know, like it's it's a process. Um, but don't picture it as everything is perfect. And then in the end, the reality looks very different for um 
the most of the people yeah. of the company. Um, so that is the first start. Um, how do you picture the company um, throughout your website and especially obviously the career side? Mm-hmm. Um, and also putting things like um, we have a very um, good salary range and then you apply for the job and then the salary range is not what you thought at all. These are just things like you build expectation by the things you're showcasing and you're also telling on the website and um, also in, in the job description. So this is the first very important step. Um, picture it as like very maybe more neutral rather than all is happy and we just because I know the market is difficult. We all look for highly like skilled professionals. So everyone is just like, please come to us. We're the perfect company. But people who will um, enjoy the challenge you're looking for, like you are having at the company will find you at some point and they will also enjoy it way more than you just picture it in the perfect way and then someone applies who actually um, couldn't see the challenge itself. As, as you're talking, so that's the- sorry, just to jump in, I've got a picture in my head. You might have seen it, maybe, depending on what your Instagram algorithms look like. But um, for some reason, I clearly see this one a lot. It says um, expectation management, what you get pitched to roll is higher pace, octane environment, you know, crazy startup. And then what the reality is, and it's a picture of a cubicle um like a you know like a typical american style <laughs> office back in the day um they said this is your fast-paced environment but it, it's so true i mean yeah obviously i read thousands of job descriptions over the course of of the career you know as an external so my role is to have a look and see who's hiring the amount of times i've yeah. seen that we are the fastest growing in dot 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 and apologies now if journey uses that you could use it you are fastly growing but then you look at how many people they've hired and they've hired like two in six months. I'm like, that is extremely slow. Mm. Or you haven't got the back end to, to, to use yes. that phrase. The amount of like buzzwords that, that people are using, which now makes so much sense yeah. as to what you're saying there about, you know, for me, I've never wanted to work for that company. So it doesn't impact me. But if you're a candidate going brilliant, fast pace, and you get there and it's snail space, a snail space, a snail pace, you know, complete different mentality of yeah. what your expectation, expectations were. And this is so interesting to me because, and again, I think I like to just use the um, use the picture of dating because it's so similar. I, f- I feel like, um, but if you're saying um, in the first days, yeah, I'm such an active person, and you know, but in the end, you're someone who rather enjoys uh, reading a book on the couch or just like watching a really nice series, which is okay. There's nothing wrong or right in this. Um, but if you're picturing this, then someone will have an expectation yeah. and wants to do stuff with you. So if you're picturing that, instead of just being honest, then you will not find the right person for you. And this is also, um, you can apply that on the recruitment as well. Because if you're saying we are a company who is more steady, we don't have a fast-paced environment, we have structured processes and stuff, maybe this is for someone who actually has a very stressful private life and they will actually enjoy the like like the normal pace and they enjoy the like not being like in chaos and whatever. Like people will enjoy what you will show. Not everyone, but this is just not wrong or right. Everyone's right for every company anyway. So it makes no difference. If that group of people aren't right, you've saved yourself hours of screening time. You don't ghost as many people, linking yes. back to the very first question, because you don't see as many people because you're authentic and you're genuine and people get that. I I so agree. And this is something then you, if you will be in the first date and say, like, I really enjoy reading a book and someone says, oh, my God, me too. 
sitting together and doing it together then will be such more like an enjoyable moment rather than having someone who's looking for someone active. And this is, um, yeah, I really, I really think companies should do that way more and we should way like picture way more of how the culture is. How are the processes? Is it more a fast paced environment or is it more a structured one? Because then people can actually find their, like the right people will find their way to them way faster. And then, yes, maybe some people will not apply for that role and maybe you will even lose some really good A players. But someone who will thrive in your environment will be a better A player than someone who has just a really good CV. I really believe that. Agree. I like that. I might quote that. Obviously, I'll link back to you. Don't worry. <laughs> so we, we're going to take a look Love at our it. website. We're going to look at the imagery. We're going to be neutral or we're going to yes. go to the way we're actually doing we're going to take a look at kind of what creates yeah. our company, then, then what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Yes, and then you have to train the recruitment team because the recruitment team is most likely the first contact point, right? So it starts with um, what's the response time? So this is, again, expectation management. When And I'm not telling that I'm doing everything right as a recruiter. We always have some improvements to do. But what we're doing, for example, is um, we set already an expectation management and how long the reply time is from mm, us. Okay. Like We will say, thank you, we received your application. And you will receive a response within one or two weeks. Sometimes for some roles where I get a lot of applications, I even exchange the time to maybe three or four weeks, which is incredibly long. Um, but as, like, as I said, like, I want to give everyone the same chance. And how am I supposed to... Um, yeah, see through three, four, five hundred applications when I um, have just one or two yeah. weeks, especially when you hire for multiple positions. What jobs get um, you three so to four hundred applications? Oh, for example, uh, we had an intern position we just opened for two hours because I got already so many applications, I think like 400 or something, that I was closing it so after inter two hours. Interns out there get possible. creative with applying for jobs. But not even that, like we have, I have to say, working in the industry we are in, in Web3, and um, this is like an incredible, exciting yeah. industry. Um, that's why we don't really have a problem with the amount of applications we receive. And I know a lot of uh, recruiters will hate me for saying this. I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> because... I, think, I think the first time you messaged me back about supporting our, our projects, you, you messaged me and said, I'm happy to help but we don't need recruitment agency support. I'm like, that's cool, Melina. I, I actually want to pick your brain about knowledge. So I'm glad that you're you're happy in your position, so it's all good. But yeah, I mean, I think it depends what industry you're in, right? As you say, Web3 is kicking off, sustainability, yes. you know, hydro, that sort of stuff. That also yes. does well. Then you get industries, government-based, e-commerce, maybe not as sexy. Apologies to anyone who's sitting in those industries listening, um, who might receive yeah. less applicants. <laughs> so it swings roundabouts. Yes. I understand. So that's why I don't want to um, just put it on every yeah. industry. I know this is very rare. Um, that's I, I love being in um, this industry. I love also because I'm way better at my, my skills are more in evaluating people rather than finding the people through sourcing. I, I, ha I can do it, obviously, but I enjoy it way more to uh, go through the evaluation um, from the candidates. But besides that, um, as I said, set the expectations already in terms of let let people know what are the next steps i also like to think that mm, telling people what what's next is so like simple but like telling them hey this is what you can expect 
not only in a message in one to two weeks, but also what is going like what is happening now? So saying like sending a message, automated message of like, okay, your recruiter um, received the your application. They go through the application the next one two weeks, and after that, you will receive that step and like explaining and make it because honestly, life is already so unpredictable, and we have so many variables in life which are so difficult for us humans to grasp because we humans tend to have more we want to control things and we want to know things but um there are already so many things in life which we don't know and where we have to just trust so give them a sense of security and a sense of stability through making them know like letting them know um how the next steps look like and especially for young professionals who are um a little bit more excited maybe than senior positions um when they apply it's very helpful um that also honestly also as a recruiter it helps you to minimize um the questions which are coming then in the next one or two weeks when people ask hey yeah. what's happening with my uh, application so it them. also minimizes yeah. your workload yes exactly and people feel way more relaxed i can tell and i like i i talk about that uh, with my um candidates so you as train well. your talent acquisition team to create the process that keeps the communication pretty clear you know you're letting everybody know where they are in mm -hmm. the process what's happening what stage they're at and that's done throughout the process and how how are you i guess adjusting that element because you're right the, the recruitment team are usually going to be the first point of contact recruitment or hr or whoever mm -hmm. in on the company how are you adjusting yeah. that yeah. those communication touch points based on the contracts in general and so based on kind of feedback you receive do you kind of do you review it periodically like say every three months every six months is this still relevant or do you just kind of create a process until mm. it really is not working anymore then you reevaluate it at the same point hopefully that makes sense um, yeah i i know i i think i understand where you're coming from but i don't think i'm gonna change it a lot because the process is not changing a lot like we will still need one to two weeks um we will still have first the recruiter and then the hiring manager so i really think um i i haven't adjusted it as much but as we go through adjustments i will always look at that process step as well because as i said the psychological contract is for me one of the most important recruitment skills you can have um, or like something you should consider so that's why i always look through the lens of a candidate um, when they go through the process and we are having changes of how long will it take, what what would I expect? And also sometimes I am asking people to go through the process and then understanding their fresh perspective of like, how did you feel? What are your expectations? And especially when you're hiring people and then have conversations with them within the first month, the third month, and then the last month of the probation time, how did you mm. feel? How, like, what was your expectation? What did you... Um, what were your assumptions throughout the process because of the things I or the hiring team said? Um, also, the pitch. The pitch is so important about the company. People tend to just really sugarcoat things in the pitch. And um, I really love to talk about journey and how exciting the things are. Um, but I also like to um, explain the, these are this is our mission and this is like what's working well and we're changing and the change means but also adjustments in the process. And I really just love to not tell a story but to take people in and give them a like a view of, like a behind the yeah. scenes like because all the things they can see on the website is boring for them like if you just tell the company story they can see through that and honestly i also expect from a like 
from my recruitment perspective, I expect people to look at our website and understand a little bit of what we are doing and see the history and all the things you can just yeah. read through. I expect to have, like the knowledge that that you have this no kind of knowledge. So I want to like dive deep into like the company, where are we standing, what is going on behind the scenes right now, what you can't read on the website. And I think that is way more exciting. And um, also what I'm hearing a lot is that people getting more excited to join the company because of that, instead of just going through, we are founded <laughs> in, you know, like, lame. Be exciting. Like, work for a company you're also excited for. And um, I think then it's so much more fun. And it's also so much more fun to get people excited for the for their job and for the company. <laughs> yeah. We're I hiring. Think the, um, <laughs> there's, there's a few things just from Rappin and kind of peel back. So what I'm getting from that is that, one, as a talent team, this part needs to be nailed down. It goes hand in hand with your standard process. The contractual agreement that you're having or you're going to hold up as well should be identified and laid out before we start any proactive hiring anyway. If you haven't got one already, mm. go and do one immediately. If you've got one, does it work? Evaluate. Does it need iteration? And then because it, you are absolutely right, very rarely do you need to adjust the hiring processes couple of positions maybe if you're constantly losing out over certain talent time frames to hire okay fine mm. senior exec roles mm. i believe have a different mm. approach um ironically when we're recording this i've just posted that episode today season one episode nine if anyone wants to listen mm -hmm. to that one uh, but i think you're right most <laughs> of the time process and the contract can kind of go hand in hand and it can stay like that so it's about putting a lot of emphasis into mm. what are we focusing on and why so we don't have to keep going back There's, and then training your recruitment team to yeah. to kind of go through that process with you do you do you do kind of do you do kind of like role-playing sessions with your recruitment team before they go, get on the phone to their candidates like do you get them to explain the company to you and see how, when we're saying training that how are you training them essentially mm. Mm. No, honestly, I think um, it's just important that you have a session um, with your team to talk about expectations of the company of like, what would you expect when you'll see from Journey, like from the website? Um, so, for example, if you have a lot of happy pictures, um, then you expect that you have a lot of offsides. So this is like what like all the assumptions you could make, you should write down and um, you should you should really should see like, is this something I can like take the candidate on the journey with me? Um, so talking about those things and also talking about, okay, what's going on in our company right now? So if you're challenged by a fast paced environment, um, then please take that in your pitch. Yeah. Um, so really just talk about the things you're pitching. And also, I think um, you can do a role play for sure. I think it's, it, it helps, especially the ones who are maybe not as safe in, in pitching the company. Um, it's it's very just up to you how you feel comfortable because if you I mean as a recruiter I'm pitching journey multiple like you can wake me up in the middle of the night and I will be able to pitch it because I'm doing it so many times um, throughout the day right so um, at some point you're just um, very confident by doing it by repetition um, so just write down the things you want to get through um, get like write down the things um, just some bullet points of um, the things you think is most important about your company to know um, so for example fast-paced environment whatever like it is um, and then uh, you can just um, yeah talk about it with the candidates um, 
And then also, by the way, what I wanted to mention earlier is like, you know how funny it is that our brain is even like has way more understanding when someone is explaining a process. So for example, you talk to a candidate and say like, you know what, I'm sorry, but the process will take two weeks longer than expected. Then they're like way more like still engaged with you because you let them know instead of just letting them yeah. wait to one or two weeks and they hear nothing from you. And as I said, I'm like, I'm not, I know we recruiters, um, I don't have always the time to inform everyone about every step because that's unrealistic, but I try my very best to inform every candidate about the steps about, Hey, this is maybe taking longer because my colleague is in vacation or he's out of office or whatever. If you let them know, um, then they won't have the question mark and then they will be more way more satisfied with the with the process. So as I said, for implementing it, um, train your recruiters, um, really go through the pitch. What are the most important topics you want to talk through? Also in terms of, as we said earlier, um, when you like get to know the team and the hiring manager, what is the leader? Um, what management style do we have? What is the flexibility in terms of like working hours and like all those kind of things, which are really important for me to decide on what uh, which yeah. job do I really want to take on and what challenges are we facing? And I think that is very helpful. And the most important part is really to learn from what you're experiencing. That means really talk to the manager and to the candidate you just hired within the first weeks. Um, just set up a 10-minute call with them and just ask them, hey, is everything as you expected over the differences of what I told you and what you're yeah. experiencing now? And do that with the manager as well because it helps you as a recruiter as well. Did I pick the right candidate for you? Is this like the candidate and the, the skills we were looking for? Um, did I evaluate this candidate in the right manner? Um, this helps you to grow as a recruiter a lot, especially when you have really deep, deep dive sessions with a hiring manager, because then honestly, and that's why I say it's very, it's such a good um, KPI measurement, um, because then you can understand is your recruiting effort also not only working, but is also making the people happy, the team, but also the candidate. And I think that's, uh, that's a wonderful way. For yeah, I 100% agree. I think, it's surprising how few people really do that properly. So we have we built a post sale process into our process because you know the last mm. thing you want to do is hire somebody and then have to give the money back and have to find a replacement as an external recruiter, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. So mm -hmm. our, our post sale mm -hmm. process is extremely thorough yeah. and, and we do touch points as us. Well. It's literally how's day one gone? How's week one gone? How's month one gone? Candidate and company. And then we basically, we try and find, is there any issues yes. along the way? And yeah, sometimes things crop up. Of course they do. Expectations aren't as it seems. It's natural, yep. but at least you know. And I think we, we kind of play on to teams. It's like, you should never be, you should never be afraid. Not afraid, actually, wrong word. You should never be surprised if somebody doesn't extend past probation. Company and candidate. A candidate should never, yes. ever be surprised that they're being let go. And a company should never, ever be surprised that they're not going to extend. Yep. If you got to that point of like, oh my God, we didn't see it coming, you didn't have enough touch points. No ifs or buts about it. You didn't, you failed that part. Absolutely. Um, but it's surprising how many times it happens still. Absolutely. 
I'm happy that it doesn't happen in our company because I really think it has to do with um, what we're doing and that we implemented this topic. And I'm really not saying it's as like we're doing everything perfectly, but I'm just saying that this KPI at least is something we can be very proud of because we really don't have someone who ever um, like left our company within the first six months of the probation time. Um, and I think this is something also from a very like, let's see it from the perspective of finances. Um, if you hire someone and then you put on a lot of effort and time to onboard this person, you spend a lot of um, money on in this period of time because the person is not fully able to work um, 100% on their own. Um, and then you have to leave the person and then go through the hiring process again and have like two, three months of recruitment time and also having the recruiter working on that and then also having your colleagues like because the hiring team then uh, can't work on their daily business. They have to uh, like spend time with um, interviews and stuff. It's actually, I would love to, oh, now I'm, now I would love to get into numbers. Uh, I really would lo love to see if there are any uh, studies on There's that. There's some um, or crazy anything. numbers that have yeah, been put out it's, there. It's, but it's like a hundred thousand to replace somebody mm. or something like that, where you take salary and time. And I mean, I don't know if that's true. There's going to be numbers out there for sure, but I hear exactly what you're saying. It's that return on investment aspect. Spend a couple of hours today, tomorrow, to really nail mm. down this process and individually, then expand it to the team, get more information. Yeah. And even if it takes two weeks to get this part nailed, then at least that's going to save you X yeah. amount into the future. But I'm going to try and try and find, by the time this goes live, I'll see if I can find some studies to link to it. Because I guarantee the the ROI savings will be, you know, so much higher than the cost of actual recruitment. 100 percent 100 percent it's it's and it's also honestly just see it from a very human perspective it's I just mean, really also, annoying i mean the, the team <laughs> as well the so, team the team don't have to keep right. churning people the culture can remain knowledge can remain there's so many benefits that come out mm. of spending time focusing on creating that psychological contract correctly um I mean, I'm going to leave it there because it's, it's a really good point to, to close up on and it kind of wraps up the importance of why we should be doing this um, in general. Um, but thank you so much for, for taking it. Thank you so much uh, 